Hi everybody, welcome to another episode of the Fury of Random Podcast. My name is Saint. And I'm Jim. And I'm singing. <laughs> Are you in a good mood today, Jim? Is that why you're singing? You know, I mean, I've been in better moods. This is a very expensive week. Um, I wound up having to uh, buy a new car. Um, my beloved 03 C320 Mercedes uh, finally had to hit the Rainbow Autobahn this week. Um which was a bummer. Klaus was my boy for a long, long time. He and I had several road trips together back and forth across the country, crisscrossed several times, and he never gave me a day of trouble until he just kind of had the decency to go all at once without nickel and diming me to death over several months, which is just so decent of him. I completely in keeping right. with his personality. Right. So yeah, I had exactly. to say goodbye to Klaus. Goodbye. Off Vita St. Klaus. Enjoy the Rainbow Autobahn. But um, what that meant is that I had to make space in my life and Hold on, more space in my checking account for a new arrival. So um, I s- went to the dealership, and after several years of uh, of credit repair and almost a year of saving, I had enough cash to be able to to swing a, a 2016 Audi A3 Quattro. So I'll be like Klaus and, German uh, and Guten Tag Gretchen. Yeah, you I love do. that I German. Do. Yeah. Uh. Well, you know, Klaus is a very reliable boy. He didn't, you know, like I said, he he never asked for anything, but. Uh, gas oil tires wiper blades and the occasional fuse for about six years so i just thought it's a probably a good idea to stick with that so yeah off wieder st klaus and guten tag gretchen off wieder st klaus you were a good beast for um, sure. how you doing i'm all right uh, a little worn out a little frayed at the edges you know i'm finding myself a little bit irritable these days i'm trying really hard not to be but you know it creeps in you know don't remind uh, me not to piss you off i'll do my best Oh, you never piss me off, Snooky Bear. Uh, thanks, Pookiekins. <laughs> All right, but enough about us. Hey, we're just happy to have you guys let us into your ear holes once more time. Uh, thank you for uh, listening again to the Fill Your Fandom Podcast. If you want to find us on the good old interwebs, you can reach us on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Fuel Your Fandom. You can send us an email at fuelyourfandom at gmail.com If you want to send us an email at the backup email address, that is fyftalentbooking at gmail.com That's where you want to send show suggestions, guest suggestions, especially if they're you, and your pie recipes. Especially those pie recipes. And of course, if you're impatient to have your podcast syndicated to you on any of your favorite podcast platforms, such as Stitcher, FM Radio, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get fine podcasts, you can always find the latest and greatest episode uploaded first and foremost and fresh at fuelyourfandom.buzzsprout.com. That is correct. We are everywhere. We multiply like rabbits on the internet. You can find us at all of your finest podcast hosting locations. And, uh, yeah, use your favorite one to get us in your ears. We're happy to be there. Um, But here's the thing. I was trying to come up with a topic for us today, Jim. As you know, I have a lot of time to sit around and think while I work. Uh, Sometimes that's good. Dangerous habit to get into. I I try not to think too much. It lets the smoke out of my ears. But um, I kind of had a thought process. And and, and I'll tell you a couple of things that kind of spurred that on. Uh, I'm I'm really having a hard time dealing with uh, the Internet as it stands right now, being full of keyboard warriors and and uh trolls and and, i mean we've we've been internet survivors for many many years since the early dawn of the internet and we put up with a lot of it in our 
uh, former pastime as Internet Vigilantes. Uh, yep. We talked about that a little bit. We're not going to really get into that because it's a nah. that's a whole fucking thing. But and it's well trodden territory. Exactly that. But I've I've I had the opportunity to sit and watch uh, He Man Revelations the other day, and we watched. And they only released the first five episodes. They're releasing them in chunks, and uh, I got a chance to watch the first five episodes. We kind of back to back them like a, like a movie almost, and uh, so. Uh, after that, I mean, before that, I was trying to avoid any spoilers. I was trying to avoid any um, news articles or any kind of Twitter reactions or this, that, or the other thing. And just because, like with anything, like with Marvel shows or with movies and things like that, uh, the Internet has a real strong desire, tendency, and willingness to spoil everything. Which is kind yes, of part of what do. I want to talk about today. But uh, for some of you who may or may not have... Uh, looked into the show uh we're still a little bit fresh into its run so i'm not going to do a whole lot of spoiling on that i know jim uh you still wanted to watch that so i don't want to ruin anything for you well you know being somebody who consumes geek media i've actually read some articles despite myself and at least have some idea of what all the toxic fanboys are bitching about so we can get into it it's not going to ruin my enjoyment of it once i do finally sit down and wrap my eyeballs around it well, we'll talk about it in, in pretty vague terms. And, and like I said, this isn't the entire conversation. This is just kind of what spurred the conversation into life. And so uh, what what is happening is uh, He-Man, or I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to call it by its appropriate name, Masters of the Universe Revelations is a show released by Netflix, written and produced by the one, the only, the nerd god Kevin Smith, which automatically gives it uh, a high place of, of desirability for me to watch it in its uh, inception because, I mean, I'm a huge fan of everything Kevin Smith does. Uh, I, I tend to think along the same lines as Kevin Smith. Um, he's kind of my boy. He's my media boy, you know what I mean? And and so... Yeah. We're in the same boat on that one. When I heard that he was releasing this on Netflix and, and it was going to do this series on Netflix, I was super geeked about it because I've been following He-Man since its inception back in the 80s, 1984. Four, I believe, was when it came out. The old Mattel slash Hanna Barbera days. Actually, filmation, not Hanna Barbera. Oh, thank filmation. you for setting me straight on that one. Yeah. You are correct. I just dropped in my. I just stepped in on that one. So yeah, it was <laughs> uh, was filmation. I forgot that. It's all good. And, and, and the thing is, is is I mean, back in the day, it was called He Man and the Masters of the Universe. It was a show generated around this main character, He Man, the Conan the Barbarian archetype who uh, sold toys. That was the idea. This is one of a lot. I mean, I know a lot of cartoons now do this, but back in the day, all the toy lines really were generated to sell toys. I mean, you had He-Man, you had Transformers, Gobots if your parents were poor, um, <laughs> My Little Pony, and uh, Strawberry Shortcake, and the like. I mean, I can Care Bears. I mean, there's a huge list. Excuse me. Can, These can really I... were half-hour toy commercials for the most part. Exactly that. They were commercials for toys. And so what they wanted to do was sell you this He-Man toy. They wanted to sell you his nemesis Skeletor. They wanted to sell you all the peripheral characters, but the main focus was on the pairing, He-Man and Skeletor. Those were the, the main combatants, if you will. And then, of course, you had your uh, secondary characters, Tila... And Man-at-Arms and, you know, Orko. Beast-Man and, and Stinkor and... Evil-In and... Yeah, 
Trap jaw. All the supporting I, cast. I always wanted trap jaw. I never fucking had trap jaw. That bothers me. To this I think day. I have trap jaw. To this He's day, probably still knocking around me. in a box in the attic somewhere. Yeah, that'd be neat. But uh, so to say I was safely inside that pocket demographic, I was six and seven years old when this came out. So that's like Same. wheelhouse stuff right there. That's exactly who they're trying to appeal to. And it worked. I had all the fucking toys. I had Snake Mountain. I had Castle Skull. I had all the little vehicles. That was my shit. And so, yeah, it's become a, a vast part of my inner geek, my background character geek. And so I'm always happy when they take these things, these properties that I'm a fan of, that I love, and expand on them and make them new and do new things with them. Like Transformers, good or bad, or like, you know, G.I. Joe, what they're doing with G.I. Joe now. I still haven't gotten around to seeing Snake Eyes yet. I've heard terrible things, but I'm going to go watch it anyway. Um, but here's the thing. I was super, super excited because He-Man was like top three for me back in the day. It was He-Man... It was uh, like Voltron and Transformers. Those were the top three for me growing up. Yeah, I got a Voltron sitting about five feet away on one of my stereo speakers. Very nice. I need. To, I don't have a Voltron anymore, but I need to get one. But I mean, so He Man ha- has a real special place. Thundercats is up there too. But for uh, sure, we'll talk about that when they get that live action movie going. But what they're doing now, Kevin Smith released these first five episodes of Masters of the Universe, Revelations, and the big stink now is there's a lot of internet fanboys out there rattling their sabers and getting pissed because it's not 100% He-Man focused. In fact, if I may be so bold as to offer just a minor spoiler, He-Man's barely in the first five episodes. Um, There's an event that happens... That puts him off the board. Gonzo. Dunzo. Skeletor 2. Gone and off the board for the majority of the first five episodes. And what we're left with is these secondary characters learning how to pick up and move on with their life. And what does their life become in the absence of not only He-Man and Skeletor, which was the big bad war going on, but in the absence of magic as a whole. So that's not much of a spoiler. You can get that in the trailer. So the episodes focus around Tila as a main character. And a lot of the fanboys are getting super pissy and super jumpy about the fact that this is woke. This is just Kevin Smith being woke and appealing to all the social justice warriors and and all this bullshit. I mean, you've read some of the articles. You've seen what I'm talking about. Predictably, any time that the lead in any piece of entertainment where there's been traditionally white male leads is suddenly not a white male lead. All of the white males who are used to seeing 98.5% of all on-screen heroes uh, on, in movies and TV and video games and, and even on the page in books who are represent, representative of them and their appearance and their experience, they get all up in arms and all pissed off about how you know, the people of color, the women, the the uh, non-conforming gender identity people, they're just taking over and they're going to make everything about them because they can't understand. There's something, that, a sentiment that I've heard expressed a number of times, and I happen to agree with it, that 
when your particular demographic has kind of run the show for millennia, anything less than total cultural dominance feels like oppression to you. Anytime you turn on the TV and there's a black hero or a female hero or somebody who's maybe non-binary or on the spectrum or somebody who's LGBTQ, as long as you aren't seeing yourself represented on screen, that means that everything is going to shit. This, despite the fact that people who belong to those groups also deserve to see themselves represented as heroes on screen. Absolutely. And and they have not traditionally had that. So, of course, because the show is called Masters of the Universe Revelation, and like you said, they kind of moved away from calling it He-Man. Like the old show was called He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, if you want to get really technical and granular and break it down. And we do. Um, yeah, we always do, because we're nerds and that's how we roll. But because Tila is, <gasps> gasp, a woman, and has taken a leadership role in terms of being one of the central characters of the series, every fucking cis, straight, white, male, incel, toxic fanboy in the goddamn geekosphere who just can't <laughs> abide by five minutes worth of not seeing some aspirational hero figure representing his wish fulfillment on screen decides he's going to get a bug up his ass about how everything is being ruined by woke social justice warriors. And I just, I ran out of patience for this shit years ago. Oh, absolutely. And, and can I, okay, so here's, let me explain my position on the matter a little bit clearer. There are times when I feel like characters don't need to be monkeyed with and, and don't need to be uh, adjusted uh, for woke's sake. And what I mean by that is, is you have a lot of uh, characters that become uh, LGBTQ after the fact. And sometimes that's done well, sometimes that's not. Sometimes you have characters that are, uh, reimagined as characters of color as opposed to um, uh, the white characters that they were before, the, the white, straight, heteronormative, whatever the hell you want to call it. Uh, and, and in certain instances, I'm, I'm really kind of against changing things just to change it to track, because I feel like that feels like tokenism. Does that make sense? Yeah, and you also have to be careful when you're dealing with characters who are like traditionally non-white, and they are recast as white characters because then you have a problem with whitewashing. And that's a problem we run into with casting Tilda Swinton as the Ancient One in oh, yeah. Doctor Strange and subsequently in other MCU movies. Um, and even and she's come out and accepted the fact that she's glad that they are addressing it now and, and she wishes she hadn't done it. Um, yeah. A little late for that. But uh, we also had that kind of blow up with uh, Scarlett Johansson. Uh, when she was cast in Ghost in the Shell, the live-action Ghost in the Shell. And also uh, with Emma Stone, who was cast as a half-Asian character in a Cameron Crowe movie that I don't remember the name of because it was kind of um, maligned in the press and subsequently flopped because they chose the most you know red-haired, fair-skinned, round-eyed <laughs> actress in the world to right. portray a half-Asian character. And people were just up in arms about that on purpose. And uh, it was uh, something that, that was, was really egregious. But then you go the other way, and you have things like Michael Clark Duncan as Kingpin in the Ben Affleck version of Daredevil. Right. Or you have Idris Elba as Heimdall in the MCU films. And these are traditionally white characters, but they're being portrayed by actors of color. And that, to me, is, as much as it might be... It sounds a little hypocritical. I don't have as much of a problem with that for the most part. A, because we need to see more visibility and representation of non-white actors even if they're playing characters that are traditionally also uh, that, that are traditionally you know Caucasian in appearance, but also because there's the punching down versus punching up thing. Um, if you're talking about a, a culture 
of people that is that, that does not enjoy the widespread representation that white people have and always have in media and entertainment, then yeah, we're going to give those people a little bit of extra love um, anytime that we can to try and make sure that everybody gets a chance to see themselves on screen in some way or another. Right. Um, but you know, it really is like, it's, it's, it's the punching up versus punching down thing. It's why racist jokes are wrong, obviously, because you're, you're piling on people who are already pretty marginalized and dealing with a lot of stuff they don't have to, but we can tell jokes about how Jeff Bezos wrote a giant space stick into the stratosphere because he has all the money in the world and uh, deserves to get picked out a little bit. So it's a punching up versus punching down thing. And it's really not a hard thing to figure out. So while, yeah, it can be problematic to cast people in a colorblind sense outside of what a traditional representation of a character might be, it is a lot less problematic when you consider things like Hamilton, for instance, where there's not really a, a, a traditionally white actor in the cast, but they're all playing people who were very, very white in the early founding father sort of days of America. Right. Um, but then you've got, you know, you're throwing people like Scarlett Johansson and and um, Emma Stone and, and also Tilda Swinton into these roles where maybe you might want to look at casting Asian characters for those because they've been traditionally portrayed as Asian in the media they're sourcing from. Right, and the same thing with, uh, and I think uh, I would have want to, I did want to mention as well, uh, uh, Michael B. Jordan in the uh, terrible Fantastic Four movie uh, yes. that came out, I believe, two thousand fifteen, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I scratched my head over that one a little bit, not because they cast a black actor to play Johnny Storm, which is not a problem, but because uh, Johnny and Sue are supposed to be in some continuity, in some uh, most continuity. versions of the history. Yeah, they're, they're actually supposed to be twins. Uh, so I just thought, well, I mean, that might be a little something that would be a little bit difficult to explain based on the fact that Kate Mara, I believe, played Sue Storm in that version of the movie. I never saw it. And Michael B. Jordan played Johnny. Uh, they did explain it away by saying that uh, they, that she was adopted and that was fine. But, you know, if, if you have to go to that great of a length to explain a strange or out-of-the-box casting choice, maybe you shouldn't make it. But again, that's another one of those instances like Idris Elba as Heimdall or as Michael Clark Duncan as Kingpin, where you, you know, you, you kind of have to look at any opportunities you have to, to make these characters who are traditionally very Caucasian presenting or white in appearance and look for where you can make those changes to give folks a little more visibility and maybe don't enjoy it as much. Right. And maybe, and I think, uh, kind of where I'm, I'm falling on that is like, maybe if it's just, uh, it depends on how it feels when it happens. Now, if it feels like it's just uh, like tokenism, like I said, uh, yeah, like it felt like Johnny Storm's casting with Michael B. Jordan was kind of just uh, to say, "Here, look what we did," you know, uh, as opposed to uh, with Michael Clark Duncan in the Kingpin role, he physically fit that role. His gravitas mm -hmm. was a hundred percent for that role. Uh, he was excellent in that role and i guess it's a real fine line and maybe that's just kind of a point of distinction that's really hard to cross um but i mean there are certain instances where the character is very obviously supposed to be one thing uh in the position of uh the ancient one in tilda swinton versus like scarlett johansson in ghost in a shell uh where it just seems like they did it because they wanted to put a big name in the role instead of you know, casting an unknown. I don't know. It's a real fine line. 
And especially when you're talking about something like an anime adaptation or a manga adaptation like Ghost in the Shell was, it gets real sticky because a lot of white people who don't really understand Japanese culture, and let's be honest, no white people who aren't raised in Japan really understand Japanese culture because Japanese culture is incredibly layered and it's very much their own. Um, but a lot of people were upset about it because they said, well, the, the role of the character, and I don't remember the character's name. It's been a long time since I've seen, I saw the original anime that was based on the, the, the manga years ago, high school, I think. But the original character, actually in a lot of characters in anime, are portrayed as being somewhat Western looking. Uh, with the giant blue eyes that are, you know, as round as tea saucers and blonde hair. Um, people don't understand, as in Japanese culture, those characters are very much intended to be Japanese. They just have an appearance that is Western. Um, and a lot of people who are looking at that thinking, well, what's the problem? I mean, she kind of looks like the character from the book. Yes, but within, you know, Japanese anime and manga culture, even if characters have a Western appearance, they're still intended to be Japanese in nationality. They still speak Japanese. They're still uh, Japanese characters. It's just that their appearance has been stylized somewhat to a degree that people can perhaps mistakenly view them as being not Asian in appearance, but... It just gets to be really sticky, and there's a whole minefield of, like, racial politics that goes along with it. But, you know, long story short, um, the character in the movie was a Japanese character. So right. casting a white actress to play her was going to be problematic, and anybody that doesn't understand that kind of needs to get brought up short on it. I, I agree. And a uh, friend of the show and listener to the show, Matt Luria, who's a friend of ours, uh, sent me an article today saying that they're doing a... They're doing a podcast called Batman Unburied, uh, which is kind of like an old radio drama, I guess, from what I'm understanding. I haven't heard much about it yet, uh, but they announced some of the casting for that. They cast Jason Isaacs as Alfred, which, yes. So, yeah, any chance I get a chance to see uh, Jason Isaacs flex, whether it's, you know, Draco Malfoy's dad, Lucius, or if it's uh, Captain Lorca from Star Trek Discovery. Uh, I love that guy. He is friggin' amazing. And he is then, fantastic. And then they cast Winston Duke as Batman. Winston Duke, who a lot of geeks will recognize as M'Baku from the Black Panther and Avengers films. Absolutely. And uh, also he played opposite played uh, to Mark Wahlberg in the Netflix film Spencer Confidential, which did not get great reviews, but I enjoyed it. He was fantastic in that as well. Um, but he is very much an African-American actor. And he'll be playing Batman. Voice only, yes, but he'll be playing Batman. But still, even though it's a vocal performance, the, the amount of, of idiotic mouth-breathing, foaming fanboy rage over the fact that they dared cast a black actor as Batman in any context. It's just maddening. It's a maddening thing to see. And we'll come back to that. Let's circle back around to that because I have some ideas and thoughts about stuff I want to talk about regarding that. But uh, basically, we we diverged again, as we frequently do. But we were Mm. talking about uh, uh, fan outrage at Masters of the Universe Revelations. And, and the thing that I really came to realize was, and you can, you can agree with me, you can disagree with me, I'd love to hear your opinions, you can email them all to me uh, if you wish, or you can Facebook message them to me, I don't care. But uh, uh, the fact of the matter is, it's not called He-Man, it's called Masters of the Universe. Masters, plural, Masters of the Universe being everyone who was surrounding He-Man, because the show was called... He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. And I hate to get super nitty-picky with you guys, but this is exactly what we do. He-Man and, so He-Man, in addition to He-Man, 
the Masters of the Universe, which is to like indicate... Like Huey Lewis and the News. Yeah, Huey Lewis isn't know? the News. He's and the News. Right. The News <laughs> are the band. So, you know, the and Huey Lewis by himself would just be out there singing naked on a stage. You wouldn't have any backups at all. So, you know, you really have to take into consideration the folks that stand behind the person whose name is above the title. And in this case, I think that means that Kevin Smith was super smart to kind of rechristen this thing, you know, uh, Masters of the Universe Revelation, because He-Man does take a supporting role. Right, and, and the Masters of the Universe in this regard are referring to Orko and the Sorceress, Man-at-Arms, Tila, and then on the other side, Evelyn, Beastman, Merman, all of those... They're the opposite masters. So these are the people who are outside of the core two that the original series focused on. So making Tila uh, presenting front-facing character in this uh, continuation of the Masters of the Universe saga is not outside of the realm of possibility. People are just up in arms about it because it's against what they expect. And just because a woman is in a position of power and in command... They think, oh, they're doing that to appease the woke social justice warriors. And it's I'm here to tell you, if you've actually sat and watched the series, you're going to realize that they did it for a damn good reason. There is reason behind it. And there it's is, a narrative reason. It's not just some arbitrary, we're going to fuck with the uh, the fan base and, the and, status and take He-Man out from in front of them. You know, there's, there's a narrative reason for it. And at the end of the day, I mean, Kevin Smith is a very narrative-driven person who makes entertainment i mean i I was gonna say filmmaker but he's kind of branching out obviously this is a tv show but he is a very narrative-based creator right and he he's not always perfect as nobody is everybody missteps once in a while i mean i i cough yoga hosers right i enjoy tusk let's be fair but i mean the guy's built up a pretty good head of steam in terms of career goodwill with me so i'm willing to give him that chance and at least risk possibly being disappointed with something and, you know, again, an unforgivable tangent. We just heard that uh, Clerks 3 is going going into production, I think, uh, next month. And hot on the heels of that is going to be uh, a new Mallrats film. So it's not like the guy doesn't go back to the well and give the fans what they want once in a while. But, you know, he's I think he's earned the right to take some risks and take some chances and, and step out a little bit. And it seems he's done that. And because it's not exactly what these fanboys wanted or what they expected or what they were saying they were led to believe, then they're crying foul and they're shitting all over it on the internet. So currently, on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, I want to say that the Masters of the Universe series has a 95% score with critics, mm-hmm. but a low 30s. I want to say 32 to 33% score with fans. Right. And that is... Not unheard of, but it's it's unusual for an entertainment property to have that much of a split between the people watching and the people whose job it is to actually review it and let you know if it's worth your time or not. And I think that's because people who are entertainment critics love them or hate them. It's their job to kind of dissect and understand the entertainment so they get what's being gone for here. Whereas the fanboys are just review bombing the shit out of this thing because they're pissed off cavemen who didn't get enough He-Man. And for those of you who are not aware of what that means, review bombing is an internet phenomenon where a large number of people, or a few people with multiple accounts, will leave negative user reviews online. The target could be a published work, a TV show, a movie, whatever. Um, And review bombs are made in an attempt to harm their sales or popularity. And in this case, that's exactly what they're doing. And in fact, they did the exact same thing uh, with Black Widow. And, and again, yeah. I, don't, I don't want to spoil Black Widow for those of you who haven't gone out and seen it yet, but I did. I loved it. There were a couple of questionable choices, and one of those questionable choices is pretty much the exact reason that they're review bombing it, but 
I get where they were coming from with it, and I'm not mad at it at all. I understand but, what you're talking about. I'm not going to ruin it either, but I am in the same boat with you on that one. Uh, but in addition to that thing, which we're dancing around but won't state because we're not going to be spoiling anything, right. uh, I think the fact that it was, um, you know, a lot of people kind of took a shit on Black Widow for the same reason they took a shit on Captain Marvel. I enjoyed Captain Marvel. I think Brie Larson did a fantastic job in the lead. It was a great piece of the story. Not just her story, but the overall um, Avengers MCU continuity was a great piece of the puzzle. But because it happened to be a woman in the lead, a lot of the fucking fanboys were just pissed off about that. And they were going to hate it no matter how good it was. They went in planning to hate it. They spent the money they hate watched it. And they, they created a, uh, a self-fulfilling prophecy and a foregone conclusion for themselves. And they hated the movie just because it was a woman whose name was above the title. Right. And, and, and Brie Larson's still catching shit from that. Uh, Endlessly. It, it, endless amount of crap that she's getting for that. In fact, you know, they're, they're saying they shortened her role in the second movie, The Marvels. Uh, because of that and you know you have things like that you have things like oh in star trek discovery uh one of the chief couples on the show is is uh, is a gay couple uh in particular i'm talking about uh hugh culver and uh uh what's his first name stamets Paul paul stamets yeah and i love that couple they are amazing their chemistry is fucking evident and they're brilliant on that show and then they bring in uh uh, trans and non-binary characters in season three uh, for reason and wonderfully portrayed characters and yet because it's another example of you know something outside of the quote-unquote stereotypical norm that people are up in arms about it and talking shit is oh this star trek is too preachy when did star trek become about social justice and it's like the '60s, motherfucker. They've always been about social justice. Since it That's was a nugget had, in Gene's in, head. In the heart of the Cold War, we had, you know, even though we, we had just finished, you know, uh, being in a war with Japan, we had Sulu on the bridge. Even though we were in the thick of the Cold War, we had Chekhov on the bridge. Even though it was like civil rights era, we had Uhura on the bridge because we were trying to portray a future where this shit just didn't fucking matter to anybody anymore. That's the, the utopia we're trying to go for. And the fact Star that Trek they're still always doing it. social justice. The yeah. fact that they're still doing it and moving forward, and now we have trans representation, we have gay representation, we have uh, strong black characters, a female captain, which again, Janeway did first, I get it, but yep. uh, we've got uh, a strong female lead in Michael Burnham. I mean, I've enjoyed it for the most part. I'd probably give it around a 95% I've enjoyed. Uh, there are some questionable choices here or there, but uh, I, I've rather liked the idea that Star Trek is going for these uh, long, drawn-out arcs and that less episodic Monster of the Week kind of formula, which uh, they are going back to. For all of you purists out there that want a little bit more original Trek, uh, Strange New Worlds is going to be exploring that angle, uh, so you might want to pick that one up. Anson Mount's a fantastic lead. Rebecca Romaine is, is awesome. Ethan Peck as is, is Spock is great. Uh, so you'll get a little bit of uh, Pike era Enterprise, and I think you'll be happy with that. And if you're not happy with that, shove a sock in it. I'm tired of hearing it, honestly. And 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 all of this is just from a way for me to say I'm really kind of getting sick and tired of these internet trolls taking control and taking ownership of things that they don't necessarily have a right to be taking ownership of. It now, me and you talked uh, before we recorded today. Uh, we were trying to find positive examples of uh, when the internet uh, contributes to media. And really, 
I think we only came up with the one, didn't we? Or was it just, just Sonic the, the Hedgehog? One. Yeah, just the one example, because some of the test footage of Sonic the Hedgehog, the film that came out, I want to say, two years ago with James Marston and Jim Carrey. Um, I think Ben Schwartz was the voice of Sonic. He was. Um, yep. It was, uh, I, I thought it was a pretty good movie. I mean, it, I think we even might have said that during our is is every video game movie dog shit episode, that Sonic was, was better than most. Was it fantastic? Was it great? Was it going to win any awards? No. But nah. given how low the bar is set for so many video game movies, Sonic was a fun, enjoyable romp. But... Uh, some of the early test footage did come out, and the filmmakers, the CGI artists, had gone for a slightly more, I guess we'll say, realistic-looking um, character in the form of Sonic, and they, they skewed pretty far away from his traditional video game appearance. Trash. And the internet was pretty pa- was pretty salty about that. Right. And, you know, it's one of the few times when I think sort of rage-sourcing, uh, you know, crowd-sourcing, uh, fans-listening opinions, they were kind of right about that one. The original Sonic didn't look great. It would have been very strange to watch him if he looked that way. And so the filmmakers kind of went back to formula, and they pulled the film, and I want to say six or eight months later, they had gone over budget and gone over time, but they did yeah, retool. Yeah, like $30 million they spent yeah. retooling Sonic. They did retool the appearance of the character, and honestly, it was a great change. It really was a positive change. He looked a lot better. Um, He was more animated, more colorful, less weird-looking on screen, and that was a positive change. And was it successful? I mean, from an entertainment standpoint, it was. Financially, it did run the way over, but Sonic is getting a sequel, so it can't have been that much of a money loser for them. Um, So that really is, earlier on, when you and I were trying to figure this out, I think the only instance where fan meddling or or internet bitching actually result in a positive outcome because otherwise you get shit like um kelly marie tran getting pretty much bullied off the screen bullied Mm -hmm. off of social media certainly but bullied off the screen i'm barely appearing in the uh the last of the uh most recent trilogy of star wars films right you get people bitching about trans and non-binary and and lgbtq representation on star trek and you get people complaining about the shit we're talking about today where God forbid, gasp, a woman is taking center stage in a space that used to be occupied by a heavily muscled dude in fuzzy underwear and a, and a Dorothy Hamill haircut. <laughs> and, and yeah, you mentioned uh, Kelly Marie Tran. I'm glad you brought that up. But also, like, look at like what happened with the uh, all-female lead or all-female-led uh, Ghostbusters movie. Uh, what happened with uh, Leslie Jones? They bullied her off of social media, too, because they were just leveling yes, all their hate bombs and, and and racist and bigoted and stupid shit at her. Same thing just, with Ocean's 8, which was an all-female, basically Ocean's 13, um, you know, which just, I saw it. I, I Was it great? No, but it had nothing to do with the actresses in it. Some of the choices and some of the plotting was a little bit off, but regardless, I mean, the Ghostbusters film and the Ocean's 8 film had issues apart from, you know, people being pissed off about the casting, but that was really the thing that that kind of was the lightning rod for why people said, or didn't say, but you could tell a lot of people weren't on board with those films before they even released, before they even watched them, just because how dare you take this movie away that was, you know, once just a bunch of swinging dicks running around with proton packs or a bunch of uh, remade Rat Packers uh, swishing whiskey around their glasses while they plan a bank heist in Vegas and daring to put women in those positions of power. It, right. it, was, it was just disheartening to see. It is, and, and it kind of makes me uh, wistful for the, I mean, do you remember what it was like before we had, like, this widespread internet usage? When we got a movie, let's say back in the day, like in the mid-80s, uh, early 90s, when you get a movie, you go see it in the theater. It lasts in the theater a lot longer than they do now. The runs used to be something like 
four to six months if it was a good popular movie. Yeah. And the reasons behind that was because they knew that there was going to be a delay getting it to home video release. Uh, sometimes of upwards of a year before it would come out on home video or it would be available to rent at your local blockbuster uh, or Hollywood video. But uh, I think back then, uh, maybe it was because we didn't have such a widespread community and availability of an online forum for people to take their offense to the wide public. It really um, was just word of mouth because it literally was you telling your friends, family, and neighbors and loved ones about what your opinions of the film were. And that's why it had such a slow burn on it. Well, here, here let's do a little role play. You ready? Yeah. Uh, hey, hey, Jim, I just went to a movie. Really? What did you yeah. think of it? Oh, well, uh, I went and saw the uh, new Star Trek movie, Star Trek V. How was it? Did you I like thought it? it? I did not like it. I thought it was flawed in many ways. And uh, I'm not going to buy it when it comes out on VHS. Well, that's really too bad. I mean, I think I'll probably still see it and formulate my own opinion, but I'll definitely take your view of it into consideration when I'm watching it for myself. And that's it. That's it. That's all we had. You had maybe the newspaper reviews, in which case you have to trust your Leonard Maltons or your Siskel and Eberts. But even to this day, I don't trust Internet reviewers very much or our our movie reviewers very much because they're very opinionated. Some might say they're in somebody's pocket. Uh, the movie studios have been known to pay for positive press. And uh, so I just kind of tend to form my own opinions about and you can't trust pull, Not that they put pull quotes on, on movie theater posters either, but those were always really fun. I remember, I don't remember the comedian, but some comedian, I might have even been Dennis Miller before he took his hard right turn to conservatism, but Ugh. I remember listening to one of his audiobooks years ago, and he made a, at least a good point during that particular phase of his career where he said, you know, if a movie reviewer says, whoever made this movie should be put in a gas chamber, you can guarantee that all the poster is going to say is, a gas. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like Dennis Miller. Yeah. Um, but you know, it makes me kind of almost wistful for those days when, when we didn't have everyone and their mother's opinions boiling down our throats. I mean, cause it, it extends now into in movies and TV and video games and, and fucking podcasts. I mean, we got shit on today, just yes, today. I posted our wonderful conversation with Shiloh and, uh, our Shiloh Prychek and, uh, Warren Davis, the inventor of Qbert. Uh, I, I was proud of that podcast. I thought we did a very good job. So I went to Facebook, paid the money, and had them boost the post in an effort to get more click-through and more engagement. And while I was working, I got the notification that we had someone cussing us out in our instant messenger, on our Facebook messenger, uh, because it has an automatic response. When you type... On the instant messenger, typically speaking, it'll say something like, "Hey, how are you? What's going on?" or something. How can I help you? Or something like that. Something businessy and professional like that, right? I Jim got it wants- right in front of me. It says, "Hi, please let us know how we can help you." Whenever somebody sends a message to the the the, the page that the, our view your fandom at Facebook, the automatic response is, "Hi, please let us know how we can help you." And this guy's response to the automatically generated greeting was, "You can fuck off. That's what you can do." Right. Right off the bat, hostile, bitter, and and just fucking aggressive. Super, super pissy for no reason other than the fact that he accidentally clicked on our advertising link. Boo-hoo. 
And because Saint and I both have access to the inbox, we were both sort of answering this guy in real time. So between the two of us, we got back at him. I said, problem? And he came back immediately with, sorry, didn't know you were a real person, thought you were a robot, but no, I clicked on the link by mistake. Sorry. To which I responded, yep, we're real people over here. Happy to help if there's anything we can do. And he said, yeah, sorry about that again, now I feel bad. And you closed out with, no worries, it happens. That is not what either one of us wanted to say. Oh, no. Oh, no. See, but in the interest of good PR and trying to be nice to the public and folks <laughs> that might be listening to us, we, we did try and temper our responses somewhat to, to be a little more professional than the immediate knee-jerk response that sprung into our minds. Which is to tell this guy where he can shove his laptop. But yeah, here, here's sideways. the thing. <laughs> and on fire. Uh, but here's the thing. That kind of, and we, we don't say any of that to try and, and brag about the fact that we're advertising and trying to get our podcast listened to. Anyone who runs a business knows that you have to do that. What we're saying that for is because it's a really good example of how people immediately uh, have this need to lash out on the internet. Now, he didn't know we were a real person. Okay, he said as much. And he explained that he felt bad now. But here's the thing. I think that's kind of an overwhelming response to the things on the internet. Oh, I'm going to shit on Captain Marvel because I'm not actually talking to Brie Larson. I'm just talking to a computer. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to tell Kelly Marie Tran that we don't need to see Asian people in Star Wars movies. She can fuck right off. Because I'm not actually talking to Kelly Marie Tran. I'm just talking to a computer. I'm just going to spew bile into the void because I'm angry and I have to have an outlet for it. And I'm a, an asshole with a megaphone. And look, all right, I have to say something right now that's a little on the nose. Dude. Believe me, I'm not going to sit here and talk about how nobody in the internet, especially white men, should express their opinions while we're two white guys sitting here expressing our opinions <laughs> on the internet. The irony of that is not lost on me. I understand exactly how that's problematic and where that comes from. I get it. But at the same time, I mean, I think... And again, this is not like everybody gets your tambourines and sing, sit around the, the, the campfire singing Kumbaya, but people don't understand a lot of the time that there are people. There are people out there in the world. There are people that post this content. There are people that are doing the podcast, doing the tweets, putting up the Facebook posts. There are real humans behind those things. So for people to just vent their spleen into the void and just spray bile everywhere... Um, the splash damage of that, it, it's kind of inevitable that it's going to land on some of the people who probably uh, are, are, if not the creators of what it is that you're venting about, at least creators of something. And then those people might think twice before they put themselves out there creatively again because they're going to feel like they're not good enough. They're going to get hit with imposter syndrome. They're going to worry more about the backlash of whatever the reaction to whatever it is they produce versus how many people they could reach with it that might be interested in it. And the whole thing just becomes a big fuck-tastrophe of hatred and bullshit. And you know, nothing gets accomplished and creators are discouraged and, and the, the people who are the internet bullies get rewarded because they achieve the goal they want, which is to drive the creators away from creating things and and nobody wins and listen and i'm gonna say this again we got soapboxy a couple episodes ago and uh, we said yeah odds yeah. are good we're gonna do it again uh but here's the thing and it, we mentioned it excessively in that episode and i'm gonna mention it again here i used to be the same way in certain regards there were people that i didn't give a shit about there were things that pissed me off about fandom there were certain aspects of my fandom where i was toxic uh, and, and an example that comes to mind immediately is when Phantom Menace came out. 
the easy, easy, easy thing was to shit on Ahmed Best and Jar Jar Binks. Now, did I like Jar Jar Binks as a character? Not especially. Okay. Do I still I, like Jar Jar Binks as a character? Not really. Not, no. Not but. especially. But the fact of the matter is, is that guy Ahmed Best got so much hate for that role. Not Jar Jar Binks. Jar Jar Binks didn't get the hate. Well, he did. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about the actor who was hired. Yeah, Jar Jar Binks lives in the computer. Ahmed Best is a real guy that's got to walk around in the world. And he almost stopped walking around in that world. He almost took his own life because he couldn't handle all of the hatred and, and bile being thrown his direction because of a role that he was paid to take. He didn't write the role. He didn't direct the role. All he did was do what he was told. And George Lucas, of course, got a, a large portion of that hatred, too. But here's the thing. And like I said, I kind of harken back to uh, the days when, when we didn't have this soapbox, this this megaphone to shout our bile into the atmosphere. Uh, I kind of liked the idea that we, you know, had to form our own opinions. And that they pretty much stayed, aside from word of mouth, our own opinions. You know, maybe there's a fanzine out there that you could talk about or... Uh, maybe you, you know, I don't know. It, it just, it feels like, and that's kind of the, the, the thrust of the show. And, and, and I know it seems exceedingly negative and that wasn't my intention initially. But the idea is that this kind of culture, this, this toxicity that exists uh, is, is killing the hobby. It's killing it. It's not, on, okay, now look, I'm going to use an example. We share a friend in uh, Steph Sterling. Yes, we do. They are a very popular internet YouTube game reviewer slash media... Uh, critic. Critic, right. And they've been doing that for a lot of years. We've known them for... I want to say I've known them for like 14 years, 15 years. Yeah, I, I ran into Steph actually at uh, E3 2011, so a good 10 years ago. But we'd already known each other online for a couple years prior to that, and we're looking forward to having some lunch once we're both in the same physical bubble of meat space in Los Angeles. Right, and so, uh, I mean, I've been following their, their gymquisition for years and and all of that, and the fact of the matter is, is they're kind of at a crossroads at this point because games journalism and games media uh, has become such a, a hate-filled bubble that... It's almost not worth their time anymore. And, and I'd certainly love to have an opportunity to discuss this with Steph, but uh, scheduling has never kind of worked out in our favor. But um, it's the same kind of thing. There's such uh, this attitude of the entrenched. And in this case, uh, we're talking about the gamers, the hardcore gamers, as it were. Uh, and we versus... should point out for the uninitiated that uh, Steph has just recently come out as non-binary. Right. And so that's something that, that gamers being, uh, you know, not the most tolerant people in the world will say. By um, a and, large and definitely, degree. Yeah. Huge swaths of toxicity in that fandom. Um, Steph has lost a whole lot of support from their community uh, because of the fact that they have decided to start presenting themselves as being non-binary. And right. so... Because people can't handle, even though the, the opinions are the same, they're coming from the same mind, the same source, the same brain, and their approach to that sort of thing hasn't changed, 
but people just all of a sudden are, are, are having a knee-jerk response to not wanting to accept the same information, the same opinions, the same sort of stories from somebody who just might not happen to look the way they're used to, and they want to reject them out of hand because of that. Right, and it's such an ugly and toxic environment, and it's the same thing all the way across the Internet. Now, like I said, uh, I used to have uh, particularly uh, vocal opinions about things, and I there have been known to spout off at the mouth a time or two. But like we talked about in the other episode, you have to take ownership of what you were to become who you are. And if you don't, you remain a toxic piece of shit. And, and we were talking about that in specific to Ernie Gygax um, and his downfall of TSR now. But um, in particular, you know, I take ownership of my shitty opinions and I take ownership of my knee-jerk reactions and I work every single day to better myself to educate myself, to learn how to be more productive with my criticism, to learn how to ignore things that either A, don't apply to me, or B, don't interest me any longer. I don't have a dog in this fight, so I don't need to pipe up with some toxic opinion because what's happening could not possibly affect me any less, so I don't feel the need to open my mouth and spew my uninformed and potentially, most likely, unwelcome opinion into the ether because it just doesn't affect me at all. Mm-hmm. And, and the exact thing, exactly that. Uh, am I happy with all the casting choices in every movie I've ever seen? No, obviously, we talked about some of those with like Michael B. Jordan and, and Tilda Swinton and things like and uh, Scarlett Johansson and things like that, but... Um, it's up to us as individual uh, geeks and nerds and and purveyors of fine internet uh, nerdery to pick and choose anymore the things that we uh, will accept and, and admit into our little circles of fandom. We get that opportunity. There is such a wide dearth of things to uh, be interested in and games to play, and movies to watch, and TV shows to engage with, that you can take the negative and just excise it from your life. I watched the new uh, Ghostbusters movie, didn't particularly care for it. I've got a real uh, a real soft spot in my heart for the original two Ghostbusters films. But, but it had nothing to do with the fact that the cast was predominantly female. No, it was just I didn't really particularly care for the script and how they did things, but... I did not get on social media and put it on blast. I just said it wasn't for me. You know, back in the day, of course, I, I jumped on Jar Jar Binks because I was pissed off at Jar yeah. Jar Binks. But now I know better. And so I can safely look back at it and just say, look, Jar Jar Binks wasn't for me. Maybe I'm not the intended audience. But this shit has once again been rearing its ugly head uh, this week in particular. And we don't, anybody who's been listening to this podcast for a while knows uh, whether or not they realize they know it because it's not something that we've really shown too much of a spotlight on. But I think it's safe to say that you and I are not sports fans. No, we are not. So we don't really talk sports on this podcast. It's not what we're about, even though we absolutely accept that other folks are into sports. And, you know, as we always say, everything is fandom and fandom is everything. If you're a fan of sports, more power to you. Good for you. Sports is not a fandom that either Saints or I happen to share. However, 
Uh, shit happening at the Olympics this week, as it pertains especially to the subject of today's podcast, talking about toxic fandom, really can't be ignored, and I should at least mention it in passing here. Um, I'm not watching the Olympics. Again, not a sports fan. They don't really affect me. They don't really pertain to me. I'm happy when you know we do well and when we bring home gold medals, rah-rah, national pride, and all that. But <laughs> there has been an extremely toxic undercurrent of, again, predominantly white men on the Internet bitching about Simone Biles who is indisputably the greatest gymnast of all time. I know nothing Agreed. about sports, and I still know all the medals, all the titles, all the honors that she has racked up because she is a phenomenal athlete. Even if you aren't into sports or even gymnastics, you know who Simone Biles is because she's a powerhouse and she's a force in nature. Uh, Simone Biles um, was underperforming by her own standard this week. She apparently, I read somewhere, was only able to do a 1.5 rotation on a vault that she usually does a 2.5 rotation on. And because she didn't feel like she was mentally able to perform at her absolute peak, and because she holds herself to a high standard like that, she has basically gone to Tokyo, done her best, but decided to pull out of the Olympics. And the frothing mouth outrage by people who, you know, would fall off a... Uh, a balance beam and rack their nuts like nothing else has just been, you know, she's a quitter. Uh, she needs to be a robot. If she can't handle the mental pressure, she needs to suck it up. She needs to be a, an athlete, a trooper, and she's letting her team down and she's letting her country down and blah, 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 pfft, all this bullshit. Because, <laughs> well, first of all, we don't prioritize mental health as a thing in this country, which is uh, something we uh, really need to work on. It's a crying shame. It is a crying shame, but there have been other athletes, um, Naomi Osaka, the tennis player, who decided to uh, to back out um, because uh, she you know, she backed out of the U.S. Open, I believe it was. Maybe it was Australian Open. Again, I don't follow sports. But some major tennis tournament because she was having anxiety issues and didn't want to participate in the interview segments that were required of her as a seated tennis player as she competed in international competition. And she I was derided heavily for that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She was derided heavily for that. She she wasn't able to prioritize her mental health, so she decided she was going to take a step back. The exact same thing Simone Biles is, was doing. Now, the, the argument for her position and against, again, the frothing mouth fanboys who are complaining that she's letting her country down. And again, I know nothing about sports, but because of this, this is such a big story, I have been reading up on it, and I've become aware of some other things that have happened in the, in the past, specifically in gymnastics and specifically the Olympics, that leads me to believe that Simone Biles knows what the fuck she's doing, and we should probably trust Simone Biles. In the 1980 Olympics, there was a Russian gymnast named Elena Mukina, and she was having difficulty nailing a particular maneuver called the Thomas Salto. And again, I'm talking on my ass. I know nothing about sports, especially not gymnastics. But it's a very dangerous skill and has since been banned from international gymnastics competition because she expressed to her coach at the time, again, she's 20 years old, it's the 1980 uh, Olympics, she's a Russian athlete, she was expressing uh, concern that she wasn't going to be able to nail this, this maneuver. And her coach pushed her and pushed her and pushed her and pushed her and... She went ahead and tried it anyway, and she broke her neck at 20 years old and was paralyzed. Yeah, Top-tier athlete, that. Olympic athlete. She died at 46 years old after paralyzing herself trying to do this maneuver. Um, and that's this, this New York Times article I read made the point that the history of women's gymnastics is more or less strewn with the bodies of women who, who sustained 
life-ending or or at least career-ending injuries after being pushed to do things that they knew they couldn't do safely. Right. Um, there's another woman, uh, not even a woman, a, a girl, Jalissa Gomez, 15 years old in the 1988 Olympics, and she was also paralyzed because she screwed up a vault that she'd never been able to perform, but her judges and coaches pushed her to do it. And then, of course, you know, we all remember Carrie Strug, who was at the time, I don't remember what year that was, but she was celebrated because she played hurt. She did a vault that she landed on one leg, and she did so the whole time, even though she was asking Bella Caroli, who was her coach at the time, please don't make me do this. I don't feel like I'm up to it. And he just said, no, you can do it. You have to. you got to push through. You're an athlete. You're a warrior. You're at the Olympics. you got to play through the pain. And seeing the pain on this, this girl's face as she was landing on this, this horribly injured leg. And, yeah, we took home the gold that year in Olympics. But at what cost? I mean... She was so injured and not just, you know, physically, but also emotionally by this, that she retired from competition. So it's not even just that that toxic fandom can bully people off of the Internet or can ruin certain entertainment properties because the fans get so up in arms and up their own ass about this shit. I mean, there are lives and careers at stake sometimes. And people still, even after Carrie Strug and Elena Makina and Jalissa Gomez and all of these athletes who were forced to compete and weren't able to do it and injured or killed themselves, there are still people out there who are looking at Simone Biles, who, again, is so good at gymnastics that judges can't even judge her properly because she's so far beyond what they even know how to do. She's got four different maneuvers named after her because she's the only one who's ever landed them in competition. And all these assholes who are sitting home who don't even give a shit about gymnastics and only pretend to care once every four years because rah-rah USA we want those gold medals are just giving her no end of shit in absentia because she let us down or quit. I fucking applaud her for having the presence of mind to see this opportunity in front of her and say, you know what, as good as I am and as much as I've been celebrated and as many things as I've achieved in my career, I'm simply not up to this. And because of my mental state, my body's not performing at the peak I needed to in order to be competitive. So guess what? I'm going to take a step back for my health, for my mental health, and that's for me. You know, I, I, can't, I can't fathom anybody, anybody who would give somebody shit for taking stock of their own abilities and taking making an assessment of their own state of mind and physical state and just saying, you know what, I can't. I'm not going to do this right now because that'd be foolish. And especially looking back on, again, the, the, the path of the injured, who mm-hmm. people who, who listened to their coaches and pushed when they knew they weren't supposed to or tried to compete hurt or knew they couldn't and, and still went ahead and did it and then suffered the consequences for it. I, if I ever have a chance to, to send that girl a bundle of flowers, I will do it. Because good for her for having the presence of mind to understand, I just can't do this. We could do a take whole, a step back. We could, we could do a whole episode based on just the toxicity and sports fandom alone. Uh, and, and, I, and this is kind of off the topic, but I also read uh, there's this uh, thing going on with the Norwegian female beach handball team. Yeah. Uh, who were getting heavily fined because they decided they didn't want to be wearing the sexist bikini bottoms that they were being forced to wear. And uh, Pink, who I don't listen to Pink's music. Uh, my wife I like does. A couple of her songs, let's be fair. She, she's awesome as a person. Yep, she is. Posted on Twitter, I'm very proud of the Norwegian female beach handball team for protesting the very sexist rules about their quote-unquote uniform. The European Handball Federation should be fined for sexism. Good on you, ladies. I'll be happy to pay your fines for you. Keep it up. And that's just shout out to Pink for that. That's amazing. But yeah, you find this awesome. kind of same toxic environment uh, with 
forcing girls to wear certain things while they play sports. Why why should they be forced to wear bikinis while they play this sport? Where why is that? It doesn't help them. No, and the other side of the coin is that we have teenage girls at high school who are being sent home because their skirts are too short or because their shirts expose their shoulders. Honest to God, I, I don't the the entrenched patriarchal misogynistic culture in this country that forces extremes like that to exist at opposite ends of of how women are expected to present themselves in public and again look this is another we should really just rename this entire podcast tangents are us because we tend to branch off on these things <laughs> as they strike us but still it all does tie into things being really toxic and and just not good for anybody within any given fandom not obviously the high school example but you know the same thing with the olympics it's it's it all goes back to the same idea of somebody else has an idea of the way they think things should be and when their expectations aren't met regardless of how the people actually on the line for performing or for wearing these clothes or for doing the things that they're watching for their entertainment on television choose to present themselves or how they choose to handle themselves and they just feel like it's their obligation to 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 spew their opinions into the ether Again, much like we're doing now, but at least, you know, we're trying to learn from these these piss poor examples of shitty judgment and try and figure out a way forward and, 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 and at least align our own thinking in a way that doesn't continue to perpetuate these stereotypes or these toxic attitudes. Right. And and, and again, like you said, I kind of recognize the uh, the dual nature, that uh, the double edged sword of the fact that we're a couple of cis white guys on a podcast spewing our goddamn opinions into the ether. But here's the thing, and it's just like you said, we're using this platform to try and be uh, not only educational for other people and try to help people maybe find a better way to interact with their media, to find a better way to interact with other fans and to be a better fan, but we're using it to educate ourselves uh, so that we continue our process. Because like we said, you have to do the work to grow and educate yourself. Uh, otherwise, you're just going to stay stagnant in that, you know, toxic quagmire of, of bullshit. So and, much of the reason why these things persist is because of these unexamined pieces of the background fabric of our lives that it just never occurs to us to really take too close of a look at because we just accept them as being a part of reality. But then when things like this come up and we have to really step back and pull this particular brick out of the wall and look at it and go, oh yeah, that's an issue. That's something that I had never considered, but obviously it's it's having an impact on people who maybe don't look like me, who maybe don't think like me, worship like me, love like me, whatever it is. And so that's a brick that I can take out and smash on the ground and not have to, to use to hold up this wall of oppression anymore. And yeah, it really is. We, we do wind up kind of talking out a lot of this stuff because again, as like straight white Western men, um, Anytime, and again, I'm not going to pat myself on the back for being so fucking woke or really just doing the work, or whatever, but it really is an ongoing process because it is the job of the people who maybe didn't put these systems into practice, but who do nothing to dismantle them, who perpetuate them through their, their apathy to mm -hmm. really take a step back and look at the big picture and realize where they have an opportunity to kind of chip away at these things and make sure that maybe somebody who isn't like us, who doesn't share our life experience, who, who is different from us has an easier time of things going forward based on us being able to examine our own attitudes and opinions and think to ourselves, I can do better. It reminds me of a joke. You ready? Oh, I'm so ready. Let's what's lighten the, the mood. What's the difference between ignorance and apathy? I don't know, and I don't care. But I die. <laughs> and, and that's just it. I mean, like I said, there's a way that you can interact with this media, or not, as you choose, uh, without 
making it about yourself without taking it upon yourself and and, and in my th way of thinking that kind of uh poisons your own soul a bit too because even if you think you're doing it frivolously and you think you just you know oh i'm gonna go on and, and i'm gonna shit post on facebook about that fucking black widow movie or huh, wouldn't it be great if i went over to rotten tomatoes and review bomb that that god-awful woke-ass kevin smith masters of the universe cartoon how about this how about you don't feed into the bullshit? I don't have all the answers. I've never claimed to have all the answers. My God, I wouldn't be doing a podcast about fandom if I had the answers to everything. I'd be like Tony Robbins on tour, smiling and getting paid $10 million to bring the happiness to you. But I am willing to try and explore. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm willing to explore uh, finding more positive outlets and more positive ways of interacting with this media that won't cause this negativity spiral either causing me negativity and stressing me out or causing negativity to uh people who i mean really why are you going to shit on people for liking something or not liking something just try not to be part of the problem anymore if you're listening to this and you're somebody who's ever shit on media just know that Anybody with any presence of mind knows that you're a bully. And we all know that bullies are just people who hate themselves. And they're taking that internalized rage and turning it into external rage and bullying somebody else because the only way that you can make yourself feel better is to throw somebody else down underneath you. Every bully is a bully because they hate themselves. So, you know, it's, it's like the old joke. So, if you're, so the bully was pushing me around. He's upset because I'm ugly? You know, it's, it's always... <laughs> It really is one of those things where you're not fooling anybody. It's so transparent. If you're a bully, we totally see through you. We know that you're angry and disappointed with how you turned out, so you're going to take it out on other people, and that's just sad. That's just sad. Lean in over the plate and take one for the team. Get into therapy. Talk out your shit. Learn about yourself. Have the presence of mind to understand why you're so upset at you, and then stop taking out your bullshit on other people. Oh my god, we're going to sound like a couple of woke social justice warriors. Yeah, well fucking so be it. If that's what it takes to just break this wall down and not be part of the problem anymore, then bring it. I don't give a shit. Call me whatever you want. It's not going to affect me because, you know, ultimately, you're a bully. And if you're giving me shit about the way I feel, then that's just a reflection of how much you hate yourself. And, you know, that's really sad. And I'll just go ahead and, and drop a little pity on you and keep on my merry way. Right. And like I said, I've, I've done the work recently, like to find a way to interact with my media a bit more productively. There are definitely things that I watch that I don't care for. Uh, there are things that I've watched that make me mad or why the fuck did they do that? And this game sucks. And why am I wasting my time playing it? I'm sorry I paid for it. Things like that. That's always going to happen. They're never going to escape these opinions because you are a person you're allowed to have your opinions it's not everything you, is for you and you don't have to like everything exactly if i don't like a movie guess what i'm not gonna buy it i won't watch it again maybe i'll talk about it on the podcast maybe i won't but in by and large i'm not gonna shit on you for liking that movie you know unless it's a ua bowl movie in which case really grow up i mean um, christ seriously but, uh, I mean, there, there's got to be a better way, Jim. And, and like I said, I know I don't have all of the answers. But I do know what I don't want to be. 
I don't want to be the kind of guy that's bullying Simone Biles because she's taking a break for her health. I don't want to be the kind of guy that's uh, pushing Leslie Jones off of Facebook because how dare a, a strong woman of color be in a movie that is a remake or a reboot of something that I yelled near and dear to my heart. You know, where is that productive? How How is that going to be productive? By and large, that, that doesn't change anything. Maybe no. in the case of Sonic the Hedgehog, like I said, it was one of the only examples that we could find of media outcry having any kind of effect, positive or negative, really. I mean, and... It's just sad that people are jumping to this extreme without taking the time to really not only examine themselves and, and their entrenched attitudes, but to actually watch the media in question. Like, I guarantee you, all of these fanboys decrying this new Masters of the Universe probably haven't taken the time to watch all five episodes and get the whole story. Maybe they read no. an article... Maybe they saw the trailer. Maybe they saw the first episode and noped out after that. But and it's not even the whole story. This is just the first five episodes of a ten-run first season. Right. We know nothing about the second half of this season. Nothing. The back half of this could go anywhere it wants to. And, you know, maybe because animation takes so long, it's already done or it's at least already in process. It's, it's been sketched out, storyboarded, scripted for a long time. Mm-hmm. So I don't think this will be a Sonic situation where fanboy outcry is going to change the direction of anything Kevin Smith or it any won't. of the other creators wanted to do. But maybe the second half will bring these people back in. Maybe the second half will have more He-Man. Maybe the second half will give the fanboys exactly what their drooling little mouths have always been salivating over, and then all will be well. But it really won't, because we won't forget how shitty they were, because they didn't get exactly what they wanted the first time out. Right, and, and that's kind of the, the, the crux of this, is is this internet entitlement that yeah. these people seem to have. Because they... I like something, I own that thing. Right. Oh my God. I I grew up with Transformers, so everything Michael Bay has done is garbage because it's not the Optimus Prime that I knew. It's not the way Bumblebee was when I was a kid. Okay, we get it. You have opinions. But some people liked it. Some people were able to go, hey, you know, maybe it's not the same as I grew up with, but it's interesting, you know. I didn't particularly care for the new Ninja Turtles movies, Michael Bay. You know, I didn't care for it. It wasn't for me. But you know what? My son loved the shit out of it. And the end result of that was my son watching more Ninja Turtles cartoons, playing more Ninja Turtles video games, and further steeping himself in the lore and the, and and, and uh, all things related to the Ninja Turtles. So it is a gateway into... You know, maybe a conversation. Be like, oh, I didn't like that with the way they did He-Man. Oh, well, let me show you why. Let me show you my version of He-Man. Let's talk about it. And maybe redevelop your love for the series, original series. And and just kind of be like, okay, maybe this new one isn't for me. Oh, uh, She-Ra is a, is a LGBTQ character now. And she's not even that. I mean, there are LGBTQ characters that they've, they've developed in that new She-Ra Netflix series. But... One of the biggest things that they were pissed off about was uh, the fact that, uh, and this sounds terrible, and I want you all to know this isn't my opinion, this is what I read. There were a lot of people pissed off about the fact that She-Ra was built like 
a flat-chested woman. Because, oh, well, She-Ra had tits back in the day, and now she doesn't. She-Ra's and... supposed to be a Barbie doll with a sword. Yeah, right? And, and and people got all up in arms about the fact that, you know, She-Ra's physique had changed uh, for this new These Netflix These are the same series. people who got pissed off when they played Last of Us 2, because, uh, uh, who was the character? Not Ellie, the Abby character actually had arms like a weightlifter, because she was a survivalist and a weightlifter. Mm-hmm. So, you know, oh, women aren't really built like that. Well, you know, maybe the women that you, you know, want to look at because of your patriarchal male gaze bullshit <clears throat> aren't necessarily built like that. But guess what? Some women are. And women have no obligation to conform to your standards of beauty because guess what? They're not just a receptacle for your gaze or they're not just somebody that you can, you know, date and, and sleep with. Women actually happen to be fully fledged human beings with dreams, desires, hearts and minds of their own. And they don't have to do what you fucking want them to do. So if you don't like it, don't play it. If you don't like it, don't watch it. If you don't like it, don't listen to it. If you don't like it, it's not for you. Drop it and fucking move on. Right. And that's the only answer I can come to with any of this, because it's real easy for me to get on here and stand on my soapbox and get all ranty about shit that pisses me off, because that's kind of what we do. It's part of fandom. We know that. We understand that. There's going to be opinions. But just as there's opinions, you don't have to listen to my opinion. I... Certainly don't want to see your shitty opinions if you're being a troll about shit. And I know that's never going to go away. I know that. I know for sure that it's never going to go away. Because we have given a voice to the voiceless. We've given a megaphone to the bullies. And the fact is, it's never going to go away. I get that. I'm just trying to entreat people to try and approach their fandom with a bit more uh, positive outlook. With a bit more circumspect you know what i mean this shit is supposed to be fun if you're into video games movies music comic books whatever it is you're into it's supposed to be fun and if what you're doing is pissing you off then do something else right no one's telling you to to read those books or to to i mean look at look at what's happened with uh harry potter it was a died in uh, died in the wolf fandom still is uh and once jk rowling came out with her super shitty transphobe opinions and 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 decided to ostracize a good portion of her community a large swath of those people have chosen to go elsewhere they don't partake in that media anymore and that's all we're asking if you don't like something don't be a part of it no one's putting a gun to your head and saying you need to watch the new star trek if you're a fan of the old star trek and you can't get behind the quote-unquote social justice warriors or the, you know, uh, representation being pre- presented, that's fine. Get your DVDs out, watch you some TOS. I guarantee you're going to see the same kind of messages, but, you know, if you're able to skip past that and find your happy space regardless, whatever. But yeah. just don't partake of the things that piss you off because it's real easy to become this trollish kind of, of person and and lord knows we don't need any more of that i'm trying to push i'm trying to push an agenda of being more uh socially aware of how you interact with your media i'm i'm a huge proponent of fandom we all i say it every single time uh that everything is fandom and that i am a fan of everything because literally everything is something you can be a fan of everything has a fandom built into it cooking fucking cleaning if you're like marie kondo uh, you got 
You know, everything has a built-in fandom based around it. If you can't get into something, find something else. Move on. Don't That's be it. Plain don't, and simple. Don't be shitty about it. Oh, you don't like uh, Metallica's new album? You think they haven't done anything worthwhile since the Black Album? Cool. Go back and listen to their early catalog. No one's telling you to go to their concerts and, and tell anyone who listen. Oh, the old shit was better. Fine. Huh. We get it. You're, you just want to be unhappy. But maybe find a more constructive way to do it. I know. This this conversation seems to just be going in the in circling the drain at this point. But uh, the, the be-all, end-all point of it is, is, is try to find a way to interact with your media that's a bit more encouraging, a bit more positive. Because there are people that do enjoy the thing that you don't. There are young people who are using Finn, Poe, and Rey as a way to get into Star Wars. And that opens up that wide world of Star Wars to them that maybe they weren't privy to before or maybe didn't have that much exposure to as before. Maybe there's people that are looking at characters like Adira and Grey on Discovery and realizing, hey, there's people like me in Star Trek. Maybe there's always been people like me in Star Trek. I'm going to go back and watch the entire back catalog because I love the idea of Star Trek. It's opening doors for people who might not necessarily have had that door held open for them before. And what's wrong with that? Every belief system in the world, every religion, every philosophy, the golden rule, all that shit, you can just boil it down to just don't be a dick. And you know when you're being a dick. I'm, I, you know, I'm not completely innocent of that. I, I definitely know that I've been a dick at certain times before. Um, you know, and I, 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 I try to check that. I try to be aware of that. I try to be cognizant of it. I'm not always, you know, perfect. Nobody is. But just making the effort, recognizing when you're going to open your mouth and shit's going to come out that you're not going to be proud you said later, just don't be a dick. And it, it, it just, there's, there's, in every interaction in life, every interaction in life, you have a choice to be a dick or to not be a dick. So just once in a while, choose not to be a dick. <laughs> Agreed. What is it Nathan Explosion says uh, on uh, Metalocalypse? Don't be a dick, be a dude. Uh, yeah. And of course, dude be being dude. dude being a, a general term for people, not necessarily for male people, but whatever. Um, whatever. Nathan Explosion might not be the best example I could use. Um but yeah, I mean, it really boils down to that. Now I know we got a bit ranty, and I said the other day, we're not going to be as ranty, and yeah, there's going to be times where we soapbox it up, guys. I'm sorry. I, I'm this real one of those times. I'm real passionate about this stuff. I want my kids to be able to grow up and, and not just see themselves in the media that they partake in, or partake in, but see other people. Make that normal. Make that acceptable. Make that the norm. Because it is the norm. You know, it doesn't always have to be about people that look like me. It doesn't always have to be about people that look like you. Maybe your neighbor wants to be able to say, hey, you know, I'm a superhero too. Look at that. Or, hey, look at me on the bridge of the Enterprise. I could be anything I want to be, you know. And not just that, but when you spew your bullshit on on, on social media, whether it's Facebook, whether it's Twitter, um, especially if you have friends or family or close co-workers or whatever that follow you on those those particular platforms um i guarantee you you have a friend or a family member or a loved one who is in the closet you have a friend or family member or loved one who is a person of color you have friends or families or loved ones that belong to these groups that would love to see themselves with greater representation on the screen page or in video games or, or what, what have you 
And every time that you get out there and say that you're pissed off that the the new Star Wars triad is not just three white people, it's a, a woman uh, and two people of color, or whenever you get upset that maybe something in a movie happened that you didn't care for. And, it, you know, why they have to cast a black guy in that role? They're talking about making Idris Elba into James Bond. He can't do that. The people who love you, they who are see seeing it. you say these hateful they things, yeah. they know that, they, that that's one more strike against you in terms of being able to confide in you, in terms of being able to trust you, in terms of understanding that you're a, a responsible citizen of the universe. And just fucking knock it off. Just please fucking stop. Only you can make yourself a better person. No matter what I say to you, I'm not going to be able to change you intrinsically. You're going to have to do it yourself. And and I like to have I like to tell people I'm not necessarily religious, but I am very I'm a humanist. For good or for bad. Lately it's been for yeah. bad because, you know, Lord knows there's enough bad examples of what being a human is anymore. But for better or for worse, I'm a humanist. I I believe in people. And I really believe deep down that most people want to be good. Most people want to be positive. And maybe they just don't know how to do it. And it's my fervent desire that, like me, like Jim, you kind of take and examine your place in uh, whatever media it is that you're consuming and see where you can be a better person. See where you can be more accepting, less of a gatekeeper, less of a of a, a, a negative Nelly, if you will, and just and find a way to bring in and accept the things that you want and to push away and maybe just don't interact with the things that piss you off. Because ultimately you're going to be a lot happier that way. Uh, and, and certainly the people who don't have to see your, your, your negativity spewed all over uh, Facebook or Twitter are going to be a lot happier too, by and large. Amen. And so I'm stepping off my soapbox again today. Uh, I I really am. If you stuck it out this long, bravo. Kumbaya to you, uh, you peacenicks. But uh, uh, I want to thank you again for listening. Now, again, if you want to interact with the show and maybe can do it without cussing us out because we're not robots, uh, yeah. you can hit us up on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash fuel your fandom. You can also find us in our Gmail, which is fuelyourfandom at gmail.com. And you want to send your pie recipes, your show suggestions, and your hate mail to uh, fyftalentbooking at gmail.com. We'll definitely check that out. And, of course, every episode goes up every Friday on fuelyourfandom.buzzsprout.com. Or you can wait for it to syndicate to your favorite podcast platform. We are everywhere you get fine podcasts. Indeed we are. And in addition to that... We are still moving forward. Our graphic designer is just on the cusp of getting not only uh, the uh, the flyers and posters ready for the Feel of the Future uh, that will be going out to com- participating comic book shops here very soon, but also uh, he's going to be helping us uh, revamp uh, our website, which has been down for quite some time. I'm not even uh, going to put that website out there just yet because uh, I don't want you looking at it. It looks like trash right now. Uh, We're just going to put that under construction logo up like they used to have in the early 90s with the little guy digging a hole. The old GeoCities look. Love it. Uh, But uh, suffice it to say, we are moving forward with Fuel the Future. Uh, We have the artwork and design in the process. Uh, In addition, you can hit us up on Venmo at 
Fuel Your Fandom. You can hit us up on PayPal at FuelYourFandom at gmail.com. I don't know if it asks for the full email address or if it's just the uh, at FuelYourFandom, but you can find us one way or another that way. And you can also hit us up on Cash App, uh, which, I mean, do you, how do you pronounce the dollar sign at the beginning of the Cash App? Do you just say dollar sign? I don't know. Yeah, I think so. I'm not hip like all the rest of you cats, but uh, you can hit us up on Cash App, uh, Fuel Your Fandom as well there. Uh, so I kind of made it simple for everyone. Fuel Your Fandom wherever you go. Uh, mark your donations as such as going to the Fuel the Future uh, Fuel the Future Foundation 4F. What do you think of that? I don't know. Love it. We're going to help get, get get comics into the hands of kids who might not be able to afford them so we can help to nurture the next generation of fans. In a better and more constructive way, we hope. Amen. Amen. But from us to you, we want to thank you for listening to yet another rant on the Fuel Your Fandom podcast. And do please remember what I try to remind you every single time. Because it is important. It's going to be on a t-shirt It's that important. Everything is fandom. And fandom is everything. Take care.